Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. How was the movie? It was good. I mean, it wasn't great. It had its problems, but, you know, it was all in all pretty fun. What did you see? Wonder Woman. Oh. So. I want, I want to see it. Yeah, it was good. I mean, I, I don't think it's quite the great movie it's getting called right now, but, you know, it, it was worth 10 bucks in a night out. Yeah. We had a lot of beer, so, you know, it, it was a vehicle for drinking, and yeah. I totally support that. That makes everything better. It really does. I, I think... Uh, we don't appreciate just how awesome drinking is. No. Unless you do it too much and it ruins your life. Yeah, that's kind of how it is. You know, like you can only uh, you can only drink so much, but there we go. Hang on, I'm trying to load up some sites and then all of a sudden got a pop-up ad. And that was just irritating because... I'm going to say it. D1 baseball was better when it was just raw numbers and nothing else. <laughs> now that it's like a full-service site with like reporters and articles and all the kind of stuff, I, I know it's better for them, the people running it, but it's not quite what I used it for. I, I, I used to like having a place that was just a whole bunch of data. Yeah. But... I'm one of the few people who likes to use the inter- internet that way, so I know I'm in the minority. The sports reference sites have done a pretty good job of staying true to God, they're, they're so good. Yeah. They're so good. Yeah, like, they, they're one of the few that have very little bullshit on them. And I appreciate that. The, the sports reference sites are definitely my favorites. Yeah, they're good ones. You know, they're easy to use. They have a ton of information. And, you know, there's not a whole lot of just stuff. Mm-hmm. Which I appreciate. Uh, I have no idea what we're going to talk about. Well, we have uh, uh, college baseball a little. You know, we're, we're back in the College World Series, you might have heard. That's the rumor. Yeah, you know, just and so there's that, and then there's a um, we can talk about the whatchamacallit, the 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 mini tempest in a teapot over recruiting. Yeah, I wrote a little thing on it. I have not read it yet. Like I don't even know. If I I don't even think it's been published yet. So I knew you were writing it, but I was. Not really on the site today. Yeah, I thought I, I sat down to write and I was like, I'm about to have some fiery takes. And then I wrote like three paragraphs and I was like, uh, there's nothing really else to say about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, we'll get into it. It's not the, but we can use it as like a jumping off point to just talk about recruiting in general. Yes. 
And so, yeah, it's, it's going to be more, you know, baseball heavy than anything. Which means you're going to have to take the lead. I appreciate it, but, you know, we'll see what we can do. We'll, we'll, we'll get you in the lead on for recruiting stuff. I, I don't want it to just be a, a one-man show. But, uh... You're a one-man band. I am a one-man band. How's, uh, how's California treating you? It's great. It's, uh, it's a very cool place. Has the the wife broken into the into the industry? Not yet, but she's uh, she's had some promising leads. Oh, that's very cool. She's had actually she's at another event tonight for uh, some sort of junior Hollywood something something. You know? Yeah, that's kind of cool. All right, so you know, making waves, getting in there. Yeah. But we this week we've done very LA things. Like we went. On Monday and saw At Midnight taping, which was fun. Ooh. And then yesterday we got tickets to uh, James Corden. Oh, cool. Yeah, we were probably on TV because we were right by where all the talent comes out. Well, look at that. See? See, you're getting there. So it was fun. So you're one step closer to becoming Hollywood royalty. Oh, yes. My, and we'll be cool. That is, <laughs> yeah, I know it is. <laughs> While it is my goal to be Dallas peasantry, <laughs> <laughs> you'll be the king of Carrollton. I totally will be the king of Carrollton. And yeah, not a. There's nothing worse than the burbs, but that's that's where I live. Just <laughs> hanging out. Going to movies. That that counts as our big night out. Yeah, I wonder... I mean, Dallas isn't there yet, but... At some point, doesn't just Dallas proper grow into everything, and then it's not really the Burbs anymore? It's just Dallas? Yeah, it, we're very close to it. Like, we're, yeah. we're close to that line. We're, we're no longer... Like, you think of what the exurbs are. They're more the suburbs. Mm-hmm. We're more North Dallas now. Right. Yeah, I agree with that. Like it, that's just kind of cities just keep growing and growing and growing. Like there's no there's no break in traffic from where I live to downtown. Like if I take a Ground Street, you know, I can take Ground Streets the whole way in, mm-hmm. and yeah, like the the traffic is pretty consistent. So, you know, what are you gonna do? I wonder when that becomes a like I I coming from Chicago, you know. Or like yeah. even in LA, you know, it's like I live in North Hollywood, and we have it like it's listed. Like my address is North Hollywood, California. But it's like I live in fucking LA. Like I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but everyone thinks that is LA. Yeah, especially it's Hollywood. Come on. Yeah. Like no one's gonna ever think of Hollywood as anything but LA. Right. But yeah, technically it's a different. And that, you know, that's New Jersey's the king of that. You know, you, you go like twelve blocks and you're in a new town. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, like, big cities just keep growing and growing and growing until, yeah, it's all just... And, and, you know, the Metroplex is just the Metroplex. That's why it's Dallas-Fort Worth. Like, it's all kind of merged into one big blob already. It's... Very true. It's just not official yet. We're all going to be sucked up by the Metroplex. (laughs) And And on that happy thought, welcome to the Sneaky Good Podcast. 
I'm Poser. That's Dan. From L.A. <laughs> Not sucked up by the Metroplex. That's right. Only I am sucked up by the Dallas Metroplex. Dan is in sunny California. I'm just part of the... I don't know. I, I don't think urban sprawl is uh, a, an appreciated term anymore. Yeah, no, you're definitely part of the urban sprawl. Yeah, that is L.A. Oh. <sighs> So I'm I'm prepared for all the shit talk for living in yeah, LA. Do we want to shit talk first? You know, because it's always fun to make fun of Pete Famel or Famel. Oh. Yeah, we could talk about that first. Yeah, yeah. Let's make fun of the Sports Illustrated's favorite reporter because you know every you know every year he has to crank out a column where he's going to get less miles. And <laughs> even um, when he's not coaching LSU, even anymore. when he's not coaching anymore. So you know, I'll get him even though he's gone. And so he has reported that um, LSU does not like Texas having satellite camps in Louisiana and has done pretty much everything in their power to stop Texas from having a satellite camp. Yeah. To, to which I say, ooh. Yeah. And, <laughs> I'm like, and? Yes. <laughs> That's, I, I don't know. I'm like, of course they did. Like, Why wouldn't they? I don't. I don't. I don't quite. I don't see it. Like if you're looking at the nefarious scale of things in recruiting, I, this ranks pretty fucking low. Like, it's, it's, Honestly, it's kind of old school. It reminds yeah. me of of like classic like the stories we tell about the '50s of like you'd go to town and like they'd let the air out of the coach's tires or the the sheriff would give them a speeding ticket and you know that kind of stuff or right. like you could, none of the restaurants would serve them. You know, like all these things of like how you got hometowned and. I don't know. I kind of think it's cute. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't think it has any impact on anything. No. Well, we did it to Michigan as well, apparently, reportedly, whatever. I mean, the reporters are all going to say that LSU is conspiring behind the scenes. There's there's no way that anyone's ever been able to, like, do anything to prove that other than unnamed sources. Yes. But even if they were, what is it like? It's not illegal. Yeah, like it's a, there's, not, there's <laughs> nothing against the rules. If if Ogeron called to the high school coach and was like, "You might want to rethink this decision," <laughs> like, I mean, maybe that's kind of fucked up. But I, I I wrote in my piece, and this is the thing that annoyed me the most: is all of the people coming out of the woodworks that are like, "Think about the kids, man. This is just this is robbing kids of opportunities." And I'm like, "You don't give a fuck about that." What and even you if you do? did. It's the University of Texas. They're not going for some obscure two-star that someone's never heard of. They're not They're not trying to dig up a nugget. You know, they're going after the big five-stars just the same as we are. Like, this is not – I don't know. It, it'd be one thing if we were keeping Texas Tech out. Okay, maybe I see your point. But Texas and LSU are going after the same kids. Yeah. And then you got that Mike Roach – I think it's Mike Roach who's at – He's the head coach at Madison Prep, and his kid plays for Texas. And he goes on record and says, well, LSU, you know, hasn't offered several kids, and it's preventing them from getting exposure that they deserve. And he names three kids that LSU didn't offer that stunted their exposure. And one of them's at OU, 
One of them's at Texas, and one of them's at Houston. I'm like, so they wound up at two, like, college blue bloods. <laughs> yeah. And then one of, like, the biggest rising programs in America. Like, it's kind of hard to say. Like, no one knew who he was. He only got recruited by Oklahoma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, what? That doesn't even make sense. Now, I mean, I do think there's some pressure on LSU to do this on behalf of other Louisiana programs, if that makes some sense. Like, we'll take the PR hit. So ULL is the first one in or Tulane. Yeah. And I, I think there is something to that because when we had the first camp that we forced Michigan out of, the replacement schools were all Louisiana schools. Yep. So it wasn't just LSU who came in there. It was LSU, ULL. Um, I think Louisiana Tech got in there. And I think there's something to be said that they don't have the juice to do it and they're looking to LSU – to push out these other schools riding in there so they can protect their turf. So, I mean, it is selfish. I'm not going to pretend that we're doing it for altruistic reasons. We're not, we're, you know, we're putting up the wall around Louisiana. That's the whole point. But I do think there's an element of helping out the, the, the other Louisiana schools are looking to LSU to do this. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I don't know. I just, there, there was a lot of reality. Like, people were texting me. I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe you guys would do this. I'm like, really? Like, I, don't, I just didn't, It didn't seem like a big deal to me. It made me laugh when I saw it. I, yeah, I no, funny. and I don't know. It's, it reminds me of when they first passed the rules for satellite camps. And I know, like, a lot of people in SEC country, we were kind of like, we're not upset by it. But you're kind of like, do you really want to go down this path? Yeah, exactly. This is our world. Like, we do shady recruiting. That's... That's our thing. <laughs> like, do you really want to get down in the muck with us? I mean, we're cool. I mean, that's where we live. Yeah. And now they've made it so the recruiting world's a little bit muckier with these with these satellite camps. And now they're complaining that it's mucky. Like, yeah, you, that's exactly <laughs> what you created. This was the obvious byproduct of the rule. Yeah. I love that Texas has tried, what, three times now, I think? And yeah, that is pretty funny. Like, 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 now I just think it's comedy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like, like to think that maybe Oliva is behind it, too, because he's still pissed off at Tom Herman somehow. I, I think he is, too. But, I, yeah, I do think there's a little bit of just spiting Texas. Like, we kept Michigan out because Jim Harbaugh runs his mouth a lot. Yeah. And we're keeping Tom Herman out because I think with Oliva it is personal. Um, I don't know if anybody else has tried to set up a satellite camp, but... I mean, maybe other schools are having them and we just haven't stopped them. Like, I don't think we would do anything to Oklahoma just because we don't have that kind of bad blood. There's not that. Well, you know, Bob Stoops, is, you know, he's not there anymore, but, you know, he's talked a lot of crap. Holy shit, that was shocking news. Yeah. Out of nowhere, there's now only four active coaches with a national title. It was interesting, too. The reaction to that was like, oh, my God, what did he do? Yeah. <laughs> and then... And it was like, no, he just wanted to retire. <laughs> and you know what? I, I get that. Like, he's he's accomplished everything he can. I, I think he only won the one national title. I know it's 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 bizarre to say only. But I don't think he was going to win another one. And I don't think Bob Stoops thought he was going to win another one. He pretty much owns the Big 12. I, I think um, during his tenure, it was more likely Oklahoma would win the Big 12 title than not win it. Yeah. I mean, he just even when Texas was good, he just ran roughshod over that over that conference, and I, I don't know. I think that story about how his dad died in his last year of coaching I mean, it, it means something 
and they were about the same age. I think he's made millions of dollars. Hey, yeah. retire. See the world. Uh, it, there's more to life than football. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Right and and I, I think he's definitely at the age and the tenure where you can do that. Where, where he can step away and be like, no, I'm done. I don't need to do this shit anymore. It'll be curious to see if he sticks to it. Yeah, I, I, I don't think he's quite – like when Urban Meyer quit, I think everybody knew that was full of crap. Yeah. Like I think people were making fun of it that day. Oh, I'm going to spend time with my family. We're like, yeah, really. You're just trying to dodge sanctions. Um, Bob Stoops, I think he's going to at least try to stick with it. I mean there might be three years later he's kicking around and like – I'm bored out of my mind. I can't believe I did this. I need to get back. But I don't know. I think I think he can scratch that itch in other ways. Iowa. He's going to take yes. over for Ferentz. He's going to go to Iowa. <laughs> and he's, he's a great coach. He's you know he's accomplished a lot. Um, I think college football is poorer for him not being in the game. But I do think his best years were behind him. Yeah. I, I don't think – I don't think that's a. I don't think he was suddenly terrible, but I think he had peaked. He had a pretty sustained run of like really greatness. I yeah. Mean, if you're trying to compare it to Alabama, of course it's going to not look like anything. But what he did at that program for a long time, and that's. I mean, they have the Texas ends for recruiting, but it's not a super talent rich state, and everybody's trying to get in Texas. So I, yeah, look, I do oh, think they've suffered some because they. Fallen back on recruiting, but Oklahoma was terrible when he took over the job. There is no guarantee that Oklahoma has to be good. Uh, I mean, we thought Nebraska always had to be good, and I don't think they're ever coming back. So Oklahoma, without Bob Stoops, could fall back to Nebraska levels, which is still eight and three every year. So that's not terrible, but we tend to think of Blue Buds as being eternal, mm-hmm. and. You know the, the landscape shifts, though I do like the timing of it because he basically forced Oklahoma to hire Lincoln Riley. Yeah, which is a nice uh, coach to fall into. Yeah, because if he without reti- risk, but a, a yeah. one. But if he retires in December, they do a full search. Yeah, they're into the market, and I wonder yeah. too because you remember Riley was up for the Houston job, and then it was like, like the reports were like he's the heavy favorite, he's the favorite. They love him. And then, like, the next day, it was just like, he's pulled out. And everyone was like, that was weird. What happened? And it, it crossed my mind. I'm like, maybe Bob just went to him and was like, look, I'm going to retire. And I don't think you should take that job. It's very possible. And, uh, look, it's the first top-notch rec- uh, coordinator he's had in about four or five years. Yeah. He's had some really good coordinators, but he hasn't had a guy like Lincoln Riley, you know, since his early days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his uh, his insistence of being tied to his brother, which I'm sure it's great to work with his brother, but you know what? If that's your greatest sin, uh, I'm glad he has it. Uh, to me, that's endearing. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I know if you're a fan of the program, it's irritating, but yeah, they hate him for it. Yeah, you know what? I, I like that. I mean, it's not like his brother's incompetent. I mean, he's not lugging around, you know, Cam Cameron. <laughs> You know, he he, he made a, a place for his brother, and his brother was a big part of his success, and he owed it to him, and I, that kind of thing, it, it kind of shows the kind of person he is. 
I mean, we're, we're not big Oklahoma fans around these parts, particularly because their softball and gymnastics teams keep beating ours. But you know, I'm not going to say Bob Stoops is, you know, a class guy or whatever, because I don't know. I don't follow Oklahoma sports, but I don't think he's I don't think he's one of the bad guys. He was a great coach. Yeah. And and the game is poor for not having him in it anymore. Yeah, I'd say the one big mark against him is he does have a troubling history with violent offenders, particularly yes. uh, female abusers. Yes, uh, Mick. A, way too much patience or whatever with them. But that's also the nature of being Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, Oklahoma is a program that has to take risky kids because they don't have Texas's recruiting footprint. Yep. Yeah, you know they don't have you know they don't have LSU's recruiting footprint, and so it's easy for schools that have that can recruit whoever they want to point at Oklahoma and say, well, why are they taking these troublesome kids? They're doing it because they can, you know, because you only get fired for wins and losses. And I know that's a terrible thing to say, but let's be honest: like coaches get their job depends on winning and losing. And Oklahoma, it's hard to recruit there, so they tend to take kids that other programs wouldn't take that can really play but have discipline issues. And maybe that's wrong. Maybe that's a terrible way to run a program. But that's the reality of where they are geographically. Yeah, I think it's a conflicting thing. I mean, we've talked about it before on the show, but it's just it's some of the Nick Saban argument, too, that Throwing these kids back on the street, kicking them out of the program, while it feels nice and feels like justice, and maybe sometimes is deserved, is it always the right thing to do? I mean, I'm talking from a human perspective, you know? No, I agree with that. Like, you know, you've – the kid's life is over basically and you've just created another violent offender and there's no way out. Yeah. And it's only going to get worse from there. Now, I – the era of cell phone footage makes it a lot easier to have plausible deniability because mm-hmm. it used to be you could say, oh, well, it's not that bad. But then you can see like the mix in video. Um, I think the only one that really got me is when they took Doriel Green Beckham like that was clearly they should have stayed away from that kid. He was. Um, you know, we got kicked out of Missouri. Went after him. I don't even think he played for him. I don't think he ever got eligible or whatever. I don't think he ever. Yeah, I don't think he ever got cleared, and that was just a black mark on the school. And look, Missouri's in the same situation you are. If he's getting kicked out of Missouri, you probably shouldn't be taking a chance on. Yeah. <laughs> well, then uh, D.D. Westbrook too. He also had. Yeah, D.D. Westbrook had one, but that's you know where you get into your plausible denial, and also like. I don't know. Like, I think we get to the point where it's it's easy to be the moralizing person, say these ki- you know these people are horrible and they're the worst thing in the world, and we should throw the book at them. That's actually the easy position to take, for sure. I, I think there's something to be said for. You know, well, look, the country is founded on you know innocent until proven guilty, and I'm not saying this from a self-serving thing because I'm trying to say it from Oklahoma standpoint. Um, I, I don't think you should ever be allowed to avoid prosecution because you're a football player. I think that's wrong, wrong, wrong. But if you've gone through the process and, you know, the legal system has spit you out and said X, 
I don't think there needs to be additional punishment. I, it's so hard to be a convicted anything. Mm-hmm. And it, it just makes their life even worse. And all you've done is made society worse. If they have this skill and they can get out, I don't think we should ignore victims. But I do think it's easy for us to stand up and just go, they're terrible people for giving, you know, you know, violent, you know, someone who's committed a violent crime a second chance. Yeah. I don't always think it's as black and white in that. Sometimes it is that black and white. I mean, like, like the Stanford swimmer. I mean, that's just disgusting. Yes. Um, but look, if if they actually go to a judge and you know they get a you know a sentence, I'm kind of done with them. Like that's whatever the criminal justice justice system says. I'm okay with whatever judgment that is. If they say this person needs to go away for 20 years, okay, they go away for 20 years. But if they say, hey, this person's not a danger to society, they get a you know one year delayed sentence. As long as it's not coming because it's a corrupt judge who's doing it as a favor to the football program, which is a hell of a thing to allege, you know, yeah. to say, uh, then I, I don't really have a problem with them continuing their lives. What else do you expect out of them? Yeah, it's a good point. I think I think it's an incredibly nuanced issue that gets painted by both sides with broad strokes, and it doesn't. Yeah, because if you say one. Th- if you say one thing, it's, it's always like, oh, well, you're ignoring the victims. I'm not. I mean, the victims clearly – and also the victims should be – they should be given a podium and they should be able to get up there and say Joe Mixon is a piece of shit. Like, absolutely. I don't think we should deny them that. You know, and I, and I also don't think there should be a system in place that keeps it from where we keep crimes hidden. I think like what they did at Baylor is awful yeah. where they would – you know, where they would report something and then the university worked – as hard as they could to keep it secret. That's not what I'm talking about as it's okay for a player to continue. That's clearly a university conspiring to hurt victims. Yeah. Heinous. Yeah. Like like that, that's, that is a pattern of abuse. And also that makes, that makes Baylor culpable. And I'm not sure you have that at Oklahoma. Yeah. I don't think so. I mean, you've had a couple of kids come through that who have had trouble past, but I don't think they've ever had something where the university has made sure the victim can't tell their story or they can't get justice. Uh, that's that's my line. I know everybody has their line in a different place. That's mine. It's when you start messing with the actual criminal justice system. There were some sort of weird details with his, with Nixon, right? With the maybe it was Stoops himself or. They wouldn't let the tape out yeah, for a long but, time. But that's PR. That's not the actual judge. Yeah, uh, that's a little bit different. I, I mean, I once again, I know I'm slicing slicing the cheese pretty f- fine right there, but saying I don't want the tape out there because they knew what the tape would it would be a PR nightmare. But as long as they're not withholding it from the judge or the jury, then yeah. that's when I start having a problem. For sure. At any rate, you know, I saw, I just, it's worth discussing when you talk about Bob Stoops, but I, I'm with you. Like, I think he's been one of the best coaches of the last decade and did amazing things at Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, I'll kind of miss him being the guy that's just like, 
angry at the SEC at all times for no apparent yeah, but, reason. You know, he had skins on the wall. He could say it. Yeah. Like, some guys, when they talk about it, it just seems like whining. But, you know, Bob Stoops, he, he had won against the SEC as well. So it wasn't entirely just him complaining. It was it was him saying, hey, look, we're pretty good, too. Mm-hmm. So I get where he was coming from. Though he lost to us in a national championship game. So, you know, I do appreciate that. Thanks, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> He he started Saban's reign. He did. He did start Saban's reign. Um, but it does look like we're now beginning to move into the next era of head coaches. There's only four active coaches who have won a title. They're starting, and only one of them is really young. <laughs> you know, um, you know, Dave, yeah, yeah. Dave Sweeney out there in Clemson, but like. Uh, the old guard is they're turning the page. We're turning the page to a new era of college football, and that's kind of exciting. Mm-hmm. Like we don't know who the great coaches are right now. I mean, other you know, Urban and, and Saban, but I mean, they're at the end. They're near the end of their career. Yeah, they are. <clears throat> Especially with, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know if Urban's health issues are real. Well, I mean, Bleacher Report, I don't know if you ever read that story. They did. Um, but they went through, like, his whole, like, he was he had bad, like, depression, anxiety stuff. Yeah. But, I mean, he seems to be in a better place now. And he's not, he, he's a younger guy. I mean, he's not like a, he's not like Saban old. Yeah, but I'm thinking more like just, like, it's also just how long you've been in the game. Because. Yeah. He's coaching. Coaching takes years off your life. For sure. So I am excited to see how, you know, the Tom Hermans and the Lincoln Rileys, you know, what they do from here. And you've got all these major, major, major programs going through significant changes. Like, we did a coaching change. Texas did a coaching change. OU does a coaching change. Notre Dame is probably pretty close to firing Brian Kelly. USC is in the second year of Clay Helton. Uh, yeah, it's... It's an exciting era, and you know, look, A and M's probably, probably going to fire someone yeah. at the end of the season. <laughs> uh, I, uh, that's terrible to just say it right off like that, but let's be honest. Um, After we beat now, them again, it just really seems like we're entering uh, the next era of football, and, and it's kind of cool. It's exciting because you don't know what to expect. I, I don't think college football is going to look the same ten years from now. No, definitely not. It is exciting. We're getting yeah, close. So, Still off season. So speaking of looking the same ten years ago, College World Series, LSU back in the in Omaha, where they belong. Is that a segue, and, motherfucker? That was a segue, motherfucker. <laughs> um, that's a pretty stacked field. There, there are no easy outs in in Omaha this year. Um, normally, like you have one or two teams that just kind of claw in there that aren't—I don't want to say aren't that good, but that have never been there. Yep. Um, this every team in Omaha this year has been there multiple times. Um, four of them have been there at least ten times, and every program has been there at least once since 2011. So no one is making their first trip this decade, much less ever. That's impressive. 
so it's definitely this is I don't want to say it's you know this is like the survivor all-star field yeah like this is this is for real there are no easy outs in Omaha this year and what's cool about that is that I think LSU is the team that other teams circle like if you're looking at your draw you want to know where LSU is for sure so I don't want to say we're afraid of anybody because we're not but I do think other teams I don't want to say they're afraid of us because really every program here is fairly storied or at least a, a recent power um but I, I think everyone's got an eye on LSU I, I think we're the, the program that that strikes fear and when you're in Omaha what's kind of neat about it is how the new system works and I know I say it's new it's over a decade old now it's really two tournaments so there's going to be no crossover between the groups of four so you really only have to concern yourself if you're an LSU fan with three teams mm-hmm. and that's Florida State Cal State Fullerton and Oregon State and that's God that's a load that, that is a, a loaded group um, neither Fullerton or Florida State were a national seed this year though Florida they both hosted super regionals uh, Fullerton because of upsets Florida State because they were a one seed and the seeded team lost um, but Oregon State they're the number one team in the country uh, they, they won two national titles not too long ago they're the they're the chalk pick of course and so it's hard to come in there and say that we're the favorite even in our own half of the bracket despite being LSU Hell, we, we might not even be favorites in the first game Florida State that is a really good baseball team you know they're just there's so much offense there and I know the new TD Ameritrade Park really saps offense it gets rid of home runs so it really favors dink and dunk teams yeah. which might help Fullerton more than anyone else on our side of the bracket but Florida State's just not an easy out ever and I'm really I'm excited by this one I think LSU's going to do well but it's hard to say yeah definitely we're going to the championship game or the championship series because man any of these four teams could go you can make an a convincing case for any any of the four teams on this side of the bracket or any of the four teams on the other side. Except for maybe AM. I think AM's outclassed. But and I don't even think that's a knock on AM. I think AM's a good team. It's just that they're in a bracket with Louisville, TCU, and Florida. And that's they're clearly a cut ahead. So we play Saturday. Yes. Night against Florida State, game one. Well, it's, yeah. game, it's technically game two, I guess. Technically game two, but I like calling it game one because it's our game one. Yeah, our game one is what I meant. Um, yeah, Alex Lang's going to start. Of course. Um, I like that. Um, sometimes teams get cute and try and hold back their ace for their second game. I always think that's a mistake. Um, look, if you made it to Omaha, you can play. You, you should pitch your You should pitch your ace. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's the big thing for LSU. You you want to win those first two games. If you win those first two games, I don't want to say you're guaranteed of making it to the final series, but it's just like the regional 
you, you, the first regionals before the super regional. You win those first two games, you are in a really good position because you can win with only using three starting pitchers. Yeah, absolutely. And if we can get through this bracket only using three starting pitchers, that that's that's pretty great. I, I mean, that's that is a is a great position to get into. Um, I, I think LSU has the arms for it. I, I do worry if LSU loses and gets in the losing bracket, and then you have to start worrying about what kind of crazy pen you're going to have because I. If LSU has a weakness this year, I think it's the depth of the bullpen. There's not really. I really Hunter Newman's really good, and I really like Zach Hess. He's going to be a starter next year. But after that, like Gilbert, he's he's probably going to be your number four starter if you have to have a fourth starter. After that, there's no one in the pen I really trust. And in Omaha, you're going to have to go deeper than that. There's just too many good teams. You were impressed with a pin move that Maneri made over the weekend. I was. Um, he uh, he kept Zach Hess in the game um, to pitch the ninth inning. It was 4-3 going into the bottom of the ninth, and he had to defend the lead. That is the robotic move of bringing the closer. Uh, I think just about every coach, manager at any level would go to their closer for the simple reason that if the closer blows the lead, it's the closer's fault. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because a lot of time I think coaches manage to reduce criticism. Like, if, if you do the correct move and it blows up in your face, most people aren't going to criticize you. So had he brought in Hunter Newman, I don't think there would have been, and had Hunter Newman then blown the game, I don't think anyone would have criticized Maneri. It would have been Hunter Newman's fault. Instead, in a one-run game, in the top of the ninth, he brought it. He kept Zach Hess in the game, and had that not worked out, and the leadoff runner got on in that inning, had that not worked out, he would have been crucified. I mean, just crucified because Maneri has often been criticized for his bullpen usage. If there is a major criticism of how he runs the team, it's his use of the bullpen. And if he would have made a risky bullpen decision and had it not pan out, uh, there would have been a very, very angry Tiger fan base to deal with. <laughs> For sure. So I liked it not just because he rode the pitcher. He went with his gut and said, hey, I'm sticking with this guy. He's pitching really well. He's going to win us out. He made a move that opened himself up to a ton of criticism, and he didn't care. Which ties to something of what we talked about last podcast that I still haven't posted, which is that he sort of reached a comfort zone at LSU. Yeah, yeah, and I think this is him really struggling against that comfort zone, and it's really been good to see. Mm-hmm. And also what I liked about it is if it doesn't work and he gets the firestorm of criticism, it protects the players. Because if Zach Hess blows that lead – People aren't talking about Zach Hess. That wouldn't be the headline. So in a way, by making moves that put all the criticism on him, he's allowing players to play without the burden of expectations. And if there's been a you know another knock on LSU baseball under Maneri is they feel the weight of history and the burden of expectations. And I think 
so far this postseason, he's done a very good job of instead of it saying, don't worry about those expectations, they don't exist, they don't matter. I think he's recognizing them and saying, hey, look, we have these huge expectations and our fans, you know, the, you know, we have the burden of history. Like they yep. expect us to add another comma to the eliminator, uh, to the intimidator. It's on me. And I think he's done a really good job of instead of ignoring it, he's placing it, taking it off the players and put it onto himself. And I think the players notice that kind of thing. The psychoanalysis of college baseball. Hey, look, that's the best part of college sports is, you know, the psychoanalysis of players. You hope so. I mean, it, it feels like that's kind of been a knock on us is that, well, obviously this is, we've done this before. So... This is where the collapse seems to happen. Collapse. I put that in air quotes. Uh, yeah. You know, this is the, the criticism a lot of what Maneri takes is that he hasn't won another one. or we, we haven't had a lot of success in the College World Series outside of the victory. And I feel yeah, like it tied to that is like the team looks tight or they don't look prepared or yeah. whatever you want to call it. And that's what I think you want to see is you don't want to see a team. It's okay if they lose you just don't want them to lose and look tight mm-hmm. and I, I think that's been the problem the last couple of years is they've come into omaha and they've just haven't looked like themselves so if we go out against florida state and you know we each throw haymakers at each other and it's a hard-fought game back and forth and we get some clutch hits they get some clutch hits and they end up ahead okay i can live with that yeah. what you don't want to want what you don't want to see is a team that just looks like they're gripping the bat too hard just popping everything up, you know, leaving a ton of runners on, just shrinking before the moment. Um, that's what you don't want to see. Absolutely. I feel like it's – will it derive from Kramer Robertson? Yeah. I, I mean, I think he's really grown into the role as the team leader. I think yeah. it's clear he's the guy. Um He's not the best player on the team, but he's definitely the leader. He's the spark plug. Look, this is a guy who sparked a rally with a walk. (laughs) And and that doesn't happen very often. But it shows, like, all it takes is a little spark. But also, it's a guy who shows, hey, look, I do the little things right. Like, I'm going to do this part of the game right. Follow my lead. You know, we'll do it any way we can. We're going to win this game. And... What, what what's exciting about this team is that there's a lot of really talented freshmen. You know, Watson's now killing the ball, you know, late in the order, and he's he's a freshman. You know, Deplantis is the number two hitter. He's a sophomore, so like we rely a lot on young players on this team. But at the end of the day, Kramer Robertson, he's the senior leader of this team. Dykeman, he's a senior. He's the big bat in the middle of the order. Those are the guys. At the end of the day, you want leading the team, and they have taken that mantle of leadership. Yeah, it's their time. Yeah, and I think they feel like it is. And I don't want to say that they're going to win the national title. Once again, this field is so loaded. If anyone walked away with the national championship, I would not be surprised. Which also means a really good team is going to go 0-2. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, it's, it's, it's this is a zero-sum game. Someone's going to go two in Q. Actually, two teams are going to go two in Q. And the team that does that is going to be a very good baseball team. No one backed into the to Omaha this year. So let's get your your let's get some predictions then. Your favorite thing in the world. No, my my favorite thing in the world. Um, I think. I think the drama surrounding Oregon State right now with their pitcher and uh, the sexual assault coming out when he was a kid. I don't know if people are aware of the story where it turns out one of their starting pitchers um, molested, I think, either his sister or his cousin when he was like 14 and she was five or something. I, I don't know the exact details, but it's gross. Mm-hmm. And it came out like just a week or two ago. They say it doesn't matter, and they're looking past it, and they're trying. I, I think that's the kind of thing that derails the team. I, I, ju- I just, I just do. Uh, um, there's just too much extra stuff going on in the background, so I think that hurts them. I think LSU matches up great with Florida State. Uh, Florida State's not a great pitching team; they're a great hitting team. But I'll put our bats up against anybody. Um, the team that really honestly scares me the most is Fullerton because um, they play that dink and dunk style, which just is so suited to the ballpark. But I do think LSU is the best team in there on our side of the bracket, and I think we'll make the championship series, at which point we will play TCU in the final series. And I, I think TCU is going to win the national championship. How about it? So um, TCU is a great team. Um, they've got a great coach. They're deep. They've beaten us already once this season. Everything seems to be going their way. They're just – they're a great program. They've been on the cusp a few times already. I, I think this is their time. Yeah, they've been kind of knocking on the door in recent right. years. But once again, look, Florida State's been knocking on the door for 25 years, and they haven't come in yet. So maybe this is their magical run. Yeah, I mean, they sure did. I mean, they dropped, what, like 22 runs or something on Sam Houston? Yeah, I think it was 19 to nothing. Yeah, yeah. And Martin, like, I know he's getting near the point where he's talking retirement. Do not rule out a, a team that's thinking about that. That, you know, we're going to win it for a guy who's been trying for year and year and years. Um, uh, that, first, that first batch up is so critical. Um, it is for everybody, but I think especially Florida State LSU. I really do think the winner of that game is going to win our bracket. I like that's a strong. That's I feel like that's a strong position. Well, you know, I'm also picking TCU to win the whole thing, so we're not going total homer on this on on the podcast. That's what the podcast is for. I, I agree with that, but you know, sometimes you just got to look around and say, "Hey, other teams are pretty good too." Should we do questions? Oh yeah, let's 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 fly through them pretty quick. Okay. So we got you know, Hemi Kane says my question, right. why? That's it. Why? Because. Yeah. Because. Um what will my podcast this is uh, Brian Arbor. He has two questions. One we've already talked about a little bit. The first one is, what will my podcast queue look like without Sneaky Good Pod at the bottom? I'm assuming that's because we'll actually have a recording up. You know what? 
I, I'm guessing your porn cast will drop near the bottom. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever you're into. <laughs> um, and the second question was, did Pete Tamil uh, lose his high school girlfriend to a guy who went to LSU? I, I honestly think it's a Les Miles obsession. I, I think Famel came up in Stillwater as well. I think he had some connection to Oklahoma State. Yeah. I think he has a bug in his ass about Les Miles and has for like 10 years. And I think it dates back to Oklahoma State. Yeah, th- there is some sort of tie there. It's just weird. He just keeps going after it, and it his case keeps getting thinner and thinner and thinner each time. And you're at this point, it's just cute. You're like, oh, oh, that's adorable. Yeah, right. it, really, it really makes podcast mad. I'm like, I, I just think it's yeah, kind of humorous. I, yeah, like it, it, it's at the point where he's tried so many times, like it just it's no longer seems threatening. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Vinny says, "What's the biggest cultural change living in LA now, and why we haven't, why haven't we grabbed a beer yet?" So I'll, I'll let you take that one. <laughs> well, that's you because you're in LA. <laughs> uh, biggest cultural change right now is that I am still working on Central Time. To keep up with my job. So I start my work day between 6 a.m. and 7 a.m. And uh, my day is finished at 3 p.m. most of the time. And I know, I guess it's, I don't know if that's cultural change, but it's just different because I have like my whole afternoon and my whole evening, which I can then do shit like go see tapings of James Corden or at midnight or go to the beach or whatever the hell I feel like doing. I don't know why we haven't grabbed a beer yet. We should. Go to the beach. Huh, huh, huh. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay, Vinny again says, pizza, burgers, tacos, what would you choose if you had to give up two of these three forever? Death. Ooh, I had to give up both two of the three? Pizza, burgers, and tacos? All right. Um, wow, that's those are three staples. Um, I moved to Texas almost specifically because of tacos. But I think... If I had to just keep one of the three, I think I'd keep pizza. It's the most dynamic. You can always change up the toppings. And I think if you get crazy on toppings with burgers, you're just fooling yourself. It's, you know, it's, there's really not a whole lot you can change with a burger. Yep. And when you start putting other toppings, it just, it never works as well as you think it's going to. Yeah, I'm a pretty simple burger guy. Same here. So I think from a variety standpoint, I think pizza would be the way. I would go if I could only have one of the three. But that is a horrifying, horrifying thing to consider. Yeah, it really is. Uh, burgers would be my first one out. I'd probably keep tacos. But uh, it is tough. Pizza's okay. amazing. Uh, yeah, pizza is amazing. So are tacos. Like, yeah. And also tacos you can have for, for breakfast. So don't yeah. knock the breakfast taco. There's breakfast pizza, too. Yeah, but that's not as good. Breakfast yeah. tacos are superior. Okay, Vinny again, you got a man cave and you could put any piece of sports, music, movie, TV memorabilia in it. Price rarity is not an issue. What is it? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I, don't, I don't really have much of a man cave. I have a, I have a little bit of Tiger Stadium turf that from 1997 when we charged the field against Florida. That's cool. Um, which is in a little Waterford dish. Um, I guess if I could have just one piece of memorabilia... Um, I'd like it to be something. I don't know if I could get if I could have anything at cost with no object. Maybe if there was something from Discord Records from the Discord House, um, one of the records on the wall, something like that. That you know, like one of Fugazi's first releases or something like that. I think I would want something like that. Would be 
prominently displayed, but just something to, something to do just because I'm from DC. Uh, something to do with Discord. That's I. My thought was that you were going to say like a first printing of some some record. That, that yeah, was my well, yeah, exactly. Like a, or, yeah, exactly a record or a photo or just some memorabilia, but mainly like a collage kind of thing. Probably was what I'm thinking. Yeah, uh, I'd probably go with like a. I don't even know if this exists, but like a game worn Billy Cannon jersey or something. I think that'd be Ooh, awesome. that, that would be awesome. If you could actually get the uh, um, Halloween Run jersey, no, that would be extra awesome. Yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah. Okay. Um, Michael Lawrence asked, "How was the cross country move? Highlights? Uh, the move itself wasn't terribly exciting. We kind of just did it efficiently and fast as we could. Uh, but we did stop in Denver, and Denver is cool as shit. And, yeah, Denver's uh, awesome. Oh, this is great for the podcast. I can't believe I fucking never said I." Can't believe I haven't told you this. All right. we, we go to Denver. We go out. We go to a brewery, like a brewery, do some beers, of course. Um, and I found this restaurant that I really wanted to try. It looked really good. So we go and walk over to the restaurant. It's just right down the street. And go in there. It's a tiny, tiny restaurant, like 10 tables maybe. Um, it was really good. I can't remember the name off the top of my head, but Wright Thompson was in there. Really? Yeah, and he was just eating dinner with his wife. I didn't say anything to him because I'm like, I, it's a very tiny place. And it's kind of like, it's not like super romantic or anything, but I was just like, I don't know. It doesn't feel like the right time to, like if no, I saw I him at the brewery, I'd be like, hey, like I'm a big fan of what you do, but I'm not going to interrupt like his date with his wife. <laughs> yeah, know? no, I, I get that. Respect the guy's privacy, though I think it would kind of make his day if, because he's not famous enough that he gets accosted all the time by college football fans. Yeah. It was funny because so, we walked right no, by. His, cool. We walked right by his table, and my wife and I like looked at each other and like both immediately knew who he was. And we was like, "Oh my gosh!" Was he wearing the hat? He didn't have a hat on, but he was wearing like okay. this cool camo jacket. Oh, okay, yeah. So, no, that's. Did you hire movers or did you pack did. up? Yeah, we yeah, hired going, movers. Going cross country, I figured you'd have to. So. You didn't, you know, have your rider van out back of the restaurant. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, Michael Laurent again. How do we match up in Omaha? I think we covered that. Yeah, um, I think we match up really well with Florida State. I think we have better pitching. Florida State's probably the best offense there. Oregon State, um, they can do a little bit of everything. Once again, best team in the country. I think their pitching takes a hit. Um, Cal State Fullerton, I think they're the best matchup for the park. Um, because let's face it, you can't hit a home run there. So the bunting game, bunting running game becomes really important. So Fullerton is a, just a tough out because of where we're playing. So everybody brings a unique challenge, but what I like about LSU is that we're really, really well balanced. We can do a little bit of everything. There you go. All right. We got Jacob Hibbert has about five questions here, but some of it's just QB stuff. So with that link's poor spring game, how do you see the QB race shaking out? Was the injury that much of a factor? Does Brennan have a shot? Uh, I think Edling's going to win the job. I, I think Edling has the job. Yeah. Whether that's good or not, I don't know, but I just think that's the way it's going to be. I don't know. I, it's something I was rereading, something I wrote from last year about looking at Alabama losses, what it takes to beat Alabama. The thing that most often beats Alabama is a mobile quarterback. Mm-hmm. And Etling's not that. Um, that doesn't mean you can't beat Alabama with a pocket quarterback, but it does make it less likely. So take that for whatever it's worth. 
the next one is Chance LSU. Oh, it's recruiting. Chance LSU lands Fields or gets Rodgers to flip. <clears throat> um, I don't think very good. Um, for quarterback recruiting, I feel like we're going to have a year. We need to prove a year with Canada, fair or not. I know it's totally new offense, you know, new coaches and everything, but, like, it, LSU has the stigma uh, right now of not developing quarterbacks. So Yeah, no, that's totally fair. Um, and, you know, and it's not quite like other positions. I think it's a lot easier to gloss over, like, we haven't put a defensive end in the league in six years. Like, no one gives a shit, right? Like, but quarterback is like, everyone pays attention to that. So, I agree. Uh, and then last question is, what about this team excites you the most and worries you the most? You want to go first on that, or you want me to take it? Uh, I can go first. Right. Uh, what excites me the most is I think we have the conference's best player, Arden Key. Um, what worries me the most is I don't know um, how well his castmates can support him. <laughs> like yeah. we're very young on defense, and I don't know what that's going to look like, even with a great coordinator. Yeah, um, I'm with you on what excites me the most. I would add Geist to that. I think on both sides of the ball, we arguably have the best offensive player and defensive player in the conference. Yep, I mean Key and Geist. Um, w- one will be up for the Bedneric, one might be up for the Heisman. Yeah, they're, they're, they're going to be deep in awards. Yeah, those guys are great. Um, what worries me, it's a really, really young team, and there's a lot of guys that just have to prove it. We, the defense has just been gutted by graduation. The offensive line, um, I don't want to say they're building from scratch, but um, who was it who just left the program? That's a big loss. Uh um, Savion Smith. No, uh, on the offensive line. Um, I don't know. I can't remember. I, I, I want to say Trey Turner, and that's just ridiculous. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm drawing. We, right we just lost another offensive tackle out of the program, and like that was a loss we just couldn't we couldn't sustain. So I'm worried that Geis is going to have a lot of the problems that Fournette did. There's going to be no holes to run through, and man, we are playing a lot of young players on defense. So Key has got got his hands full and I'm worried that we're not gonna have a linebacker who steps up. So Willie Allen. Yes, Will Allen, thank you. Which is weird, but I mean good luck to him. Yeah, yeah, but that that hurts the the offensive line is if I had to say it's overall young, unproven talent, but if I had to lock it down to one unit, it's the offensive line. Yep. Again, that's your pet group. It is. They, that is the group. For all the talk of quarterbacks, offensive line is the thing we have failed to develop. Yeah, it's been an issue. Don't let, Billy would argue with you about that, at least last uh, I, year's group. I know he would, but I think he's wrong. <laughs> uh, our offensive line has not. And also, just for the amount of accolades they've got. It's not that they've been terrible. It's just that they always get hyped up as like the best in the country or at least the best in the conference or, you know, best next to Alabama. And we're not, the the numbers do not pan, you know, they do not justify its inflated reputation year in, year out. Yeah. That's one thing I can't, uh, all the, yeah, like I think it's pro football focus that, that keeps saying we're like the best unit. And I'm sure that they have some metrics that they use that we do well on, but it, 
you just don't get pushed around at times the way we have and have the yeah. past. I, I, I've been I've been disappointed with our offensive line play for n- nearly a decade now. And honestly, like when was the last guy we, we and we used to excel at offensive line play? When was the last guy we really sent? You know, a top-notch offensive lineman to the league. I guess Collins. I mean, he fell in the draft, but that was yeah, Ly- yeah, Lyle Collins. I'll give you that one. I mean, Trey Turner's a good NFL player. Yeah, but, but he was yeah, he wasn't quite like a stud when he left LSU. And he was a good player. Yeah. You know, like, but there's just not. You look back on it, just even our top-notch players who were really hyped out, hyped up. They got to the the league. And they were just kind of there. Yeah. I mean, and this is a program that, you know, th- the decade before was sending guys like, you know, Kevin Mawai. Yeah, we haven't had a Whitworth, Mawai, Fanica type player. Yeah. And for a while, we were cranking those guys out pretty consistently. Hopefully soon. Hopefully soon. You know, maybe they're in the program right now. It's possible. There is some talented ones in there. Yeah, and and you tend to have more faith in talent than I do. I like to see production first before I go gaga. Yeah, which we're coming up on that again doing the Yeah, we're gonna, you know, do our unit rankings. Yep. Um I I have to you know figure out who I'm going to include. <laughs> um but yeah, it's a fun, it's also it's a good way to get an idea who's good. Uh, what I like about it is it gives me an idea. It gives me a clearer picture of the league. Yeah, that's what I always enjoy. You, you know, it, it clears your thinking. You're like, okay, oh my god, and you 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 end up surprising yourself sometimes. You're like, oh my god, I didn't realize this team was really good at this. Yep. So it's it, it's a neat, and also it's because we come at it kind of from different places and. It, it, it creates some interesting debates. I don't think either one of us is wrong per se. It's just a different point of view of how to evaluate, you know, a unit. Definitely. And I, I think, I think we benefit from having those kind of different points of view. Or I think the reader does. How about that? I agree. I'm looking forward to it. I, I am too. I'm gonna, you know, we'll get that cranking out next week. I, I think we'll we'll start with a bang. We'll start with quarterbacks. It's always good to draw people in, and we can disagree right off the bat on Danny Etling. <laughs> it's a, it's not going to be a banner year for SEC quarterbacks. God, he might be in the other top of the league. I haven't looked around the league, but it's pretty it's pretty bleak. Yeah, Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I guess if you have all the faith in the world and uh, what's his face that's uh, went to Auburn. Yeah, yeah, I know who you're talking about, but I I, I might just because, God, there's really, it is dire. But you know what? So was last year. Uh, I mean, we went the last season thinking it was Chad Kelly and everybody else, and Chad Kelly had a down year. And by the end of the year, you know, Jalen Hurts wants the top quarterback in the conference. Yeah. So we'll see how it how it how it pans out. But first baseball, baseball, baseball. That's right. Saturday. 
tune in. Tune in. Go Tigers.